0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
1: hi there i'm richard bayless welcome to the match day edition of the gagan pod 16 teams are through to the knockout stages of the champions league Five of them confirmed their place Thursday morning, our time. We'll head live to Milan, where Inter absolutely fell in a heap. They won't be one of them. Real Madrid and Munchen Gladbach were the sides from Group B, that incredible Group B, to make it through. We'll also chat Football Belongs, previewing our second instalment of our new series, and ask the question, what were you doing? Where were you during one of Australia's most famous matches? Two of our guests, John Aloisi and Luke Wilkshire, were actually in it. Dave Weiner had no shirt on. We'll also preview the Premier League coming your way this weekend. That and plenty more coming up on the pod. Yeah, welcome once again to the Match Day Gagan pod. Great to have you with us. Uh, Luke Wilkshire is in the studio with us for the first time in a while. Hey, mate, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, yourself. I'm pretty well. I know John's well. He's out and about. He's crossed the border. He's having a great time, social events over the past week and some football thrown in between. Yeah,
2: I don't know if I'm bouncing around because of the football and being back in the studio or all the coffees I've had this
1: morning, but I'm definitely bouncing around. That's pretty standard, isn't it? Dave Weiner, we actually have to take the coffee off him uh, because he bounces around the room either way. Dave, let's start at Paris On yesterday's podcast, we spoke at length about what happened between PSG and Istanbul. Beshak Here, great scenes today. Even before we got to the game, we had a game completed finally, but the scenes beforehand, I feel like, will be the the real highlight to come from it.
3: That's right. It would have been a a, a miss not to have touched on the scenes that happened yesterday from all the players when they arrived for the game today, and they warmed up in St. to Racism t-shirts. They all together knelt around the centre circle before the game, some impromptu raising their fists symbolically. UEFA did what they have to do in terms of banners and saying no to racism and reinforcing a slogan that, you know, I guess one of their officials didn't adhere to allegedly uh, yesterday as news emerges that it's potentially a minimum 10-man, a 10-match ban
1: if the ethics investigation into what happened is proved true. And then of course we had the match, we knew yesterday based on the results elsewhere with Leipzig beating Manchester United that PSG were through, the game still had to be played and I suppose the headline from the game itself John, Neymar's quite good, we knew that but when it gets to this stage he always seems to remind us every year of his qualities, 5-1 win and he was the dominant force.
2: Yeah there's always question marks over Neymar, everyone says is he the player, is he one of the best in the world, well... When it counts or when you know they need it, they need him to step up, he does. And he scores goals. And we saw that last week against Man United. They were desperate for that result. He's the one that scored those important goals. And then this morning, they weren't tappings, Luke. They were worldies.
0: Oh, they were. And, and, and you talk about that, him stepping up. Um, he wants that Champions League and he, he wants to be the main man. And that's why you could say in a way he left Barcelona not to be in the shadow of Messi and to be the main man. And he's proven that he can. He he he's um he's at the forefront for PSG and he's he's crucial him and Pape
1: if they're going to go further. I feel like PSG over the past couple of months have been proving a lot of people wrong because they made the final last year. Dave, remember where they went down to Bayern Munich? Only lost narrowly, but they were on the back foot two weeks ago. They were looking at the last two games looking like Tuchel was under pressure, but then they beat United. They easily win the last game. They top. Group H, which was arguably the most difficult group on paper, and they remind everybody that they can win this competition. I think they can, based on that individual talent. Interestingly, in terms of mood, today
3: after the game, uh, Neymar came out and said, my future is here. I want to stay here. Um, As he, by the way, became the quickest player to, I think, um, no, sorry, that was Mbappe, quickest player to 20 goals uh, in the Champions League. Quicker than Messi. So they've got these two guys to build the team around. Um, I, I wonder, and I think they showed, particularly in August last year, a bit of a team element that they maybe haven't had in the past. That was sort of unraveling a little bit uh, uh, until t- yeah, until recently.
2: I think that it changed preseason last season. I I don't know if you remember that there was talk about Neymar wanting to leave unrest, and uh, Leonardo pulled him in and told him that you're important for us, and 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 you're the one that will be the main player to take this team and this club forward because we want to win Champions League and Neymar felt that love and since then the crowd were on his back and and, you know there were questions about will he stay will he go back to Barcelona will Real Madrid come in for him and he's proven no he wants to be there he wants to fight for that Champions League title, and um, and they could go very close again this season. So I just wonder
3: if the support cast is there in the big, 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 big games. Like, obviously Neymar can pull it out, Mbappe can pull it out, and ultimately against Bayern, Bayern
1: you could, were Are you good. questioning
3: Moses King?
1: Yeah, come on, on loan Everton star. He's been doing it so far for the French team. Uh, By the way, they are carrying the hopes of a nation. The only French club through to the knockout stages a little bit later on in the pod. We'll run you through all 16 teams very quickly as we look ahead to the knockout stages in a few months' time. But elsewhere this morning, Luke, there was a playoff in Amsterdam, Ajax against Atalanta. We were hoping this would be a really entertaining affair. Goals galore, Ajax needing the points. And in the end, it kind of wasn't, but Atalanta went through with a 1-0 win, reminding everybody again that they are now, you know, well and truly entrenched on this stage in Europe. Yeah, we touched on that with
0: Atalanta, and, you know, it was almost like a, it's no surprise to see him go through there. I mean, it was, it was close with Ajax, I, I actually thought Ajax would do him at home, mm. um, but credit to Atalanta, they're not in great form in Serie A, but Champions League, they, 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 they're they there, and their names, like I say,
1: entrenched in it, and there's no surprise to see them in the round of sixteen. They will go through from that group with Liverpool, of course, John. And they rested players, Klopp, as you would expect, already through, top of the group. We saw Mo Salah, though, break records mere 57 or 8 seconds in. The most goals ever for Liverpool in the Champions League, breaking Steven Gerrard's record. He's at now on 22. He's done that so fast, Mo Salah, hasn't he? He has, and he seems
2: to score goals all the time. He, he Not only in the Premier League now, Champions League, we've seen that he's he's got the most goals ever for a Liverpool player. And um, he's clinical, isn't he? In front of goals, they've got that firepower. Whether yeah, he's playing... Cracker too. Absolute cracker.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: they all count, Luke. They, they do, all they count. Do. And um, we thought, yeah, they got a draw this morning, but it was done and dusted. They, they played a lot of the younger players. How good
1: can Liverpool get and can they go all the way this season? That's, that's the big question. Well, they had some kids in the side. Commeen Kelleher almost had three clean sheets in a row for Liverpool. He gave away a penalty though, to Michiland, who leveled it up, one one at finished. So that's a great result for Michiland. Awamobile, sadly, no Aussies in the knockout stage Dave but he made his presence felt, scored a goal in the group stage and the team weren't embarrassed either
3: No absolutely not and today
1: actually you think
3: conceding after 55 seconds makes it mission impossible but they actually uh, picked up and had a real red hot crack after that, uh, saves, woodwork Fabinho with an incredible ap- acrobatic clearance, uh, there's about 35 minutes worth of VAR decisions that made the game go to 99 minutes of which one of them was a disallowed Mitchelland goal 2, Mabil forced a great save at half time um, but overall all, uh, Liverpool will be very happy with the result. I tell you what, Mo Salah must
1: love football because everyone gets a rest and he
3: just keeps playing and playing and playing and playing. Um, but
1: it helps when you get the job done within the first minute. On a scale of 1 to 15, uh, 15 being Klopp at his angry best, uh, how is he feeling about the fact that he side played 99 minutes like, in a dead rubber?
3: He, he was not happy. That was... <laughs> Straight into the press conference and he said, uh, he actually said, I was a fan of VAR, but now we've got a real problem. I'm paraphrasing him, but you can't have 10 minutes with no injuries. It really took forever. Both sides had disallowed goals. Um, But yeah, that was very much a talking point after the game, as was the fact that he did play some kids, including uh, the youngest ever uh, player for Liverpool in the Champions
1: League, Billy Comezio. Yeah, centre-back highly rated as well. A lot of people said he might have been a solution a year or two down the track to their injury crisis, but he's so young, good to see him got the minutes. Elsewhere in Group A, Salzburg and Atletico had essentially a playoff again for a spot in the round of 16. Atletico only needed a draw from this. They got the win. on, seemed pretty comfortable in the end. Top of La Liga, through to the last 16, best team in Spain. At
2: the moment, they're the best team in Spain. Uh, I think in La Liga, they're dominating and they should, I think, really challenged this year to win the title. It, Champions League, they were lucky to get through. I thought they were not poor this morning, but they just did enough. I thought Salzburg actually dominated in, in terms of creating chances. And Atletico Madrid do what Atletico Madrid do well under Simeone. That's defend, Black making a, some crucial saves and then getting through with a set piece and then a
0: counter-attacking goal. Give him some credit, Simeone. He knew what he was doing when he took Suarez off although he wasn't happy, um, you know, and he, he got the result. He, he got the, the second goal, which made it more comfortable, looked more comfortable than it was for them. But, you know, away from home, it's a, it's a fantastic result,
3: and they can only get better.
1: Yeah, what happened there with Suarez? He didn't look happy. So he got taken off with Sal
3: with probably 25 to go, 1-0 up. This is classic Simeone closing the game out. And, you know, you mentioned Oblak. He made saves in the first half as Salzburg pulled forward. And we talked about it on the post-game show. Now Simeone has to nip this in the bud. Suarez is the new man in the squad. He's got to to assert himself. Um, Simeone, which he certainly will. But I wonder, John, in terms of this, uh, was it frustration at being subbed? Was it frustration at the game plan? Because I I don't know. What was it that maybe got them so riled up?
2: Yeah, that's a good point because Suarez is coming from Barcelona, and we're talking about Barcelona of the past when Suarez was dominating along with Messi and Neymar, that uh, when they go one two nil up, they go for three, four, five. whereas Atletico Madrid, it's a different mindset and Suarez needs to get used to that because if Simeone goes one nil up, he's defending
0: that lead and then if you can catch him on the counter, he will. But that's, that's the team coming first, not Suarez ego, which is what got mm. dented I think coming off that early into a game the way he would see it. So
3: by the way, Why can't they win the Champions League? Particularly if they can bring... They have ridden their luck in this group, no doubt. But they're 26 unbeaten. They don't concede in La Liga. So why why have you got the big doubts on them in, in the Champions League?
2: Because I just think the way they're playing in Europe at the moment is not good enough to take them to that next level to win it. I, I think that uh, they still concede a lot of chances in, in the European uh, competition. You saw against uh, Bayern Munich. They got outplayed. And then also when they played Bayern Munich at home, knowing a win would take them through and Bayern Munich putting out their second-string side, they failed to win. They're not good enough yet to win the Champions League.
1: I mentioned the fact they're best they're the best team in Spain somewhat tongue-in-cheek. I hope from a neutral's point of view, and no offence to any Atleti fans, if they go all the way and win it, it's not going to be the most exciting knockout stage. You know, they're clinical in the way they do it, but it's not the best to watch, is it? It's it's in got a unique style,
2: right? But in La Liga, they are playing attractive football. They're playing attack, attacking football, and uh, and I'm just wondering why Simeone. Uh, you know, obviously he sees that there's they still got uh, a few issues uh, defensively, so he needs to play that way in he Europe. But him, in the Liga, him.
0: yeah, he, he d- doubts he doubts them in Europe. Where yep. he, you go in Spain, he's obviously feeling a lot more confident in the way they're playing, and he's playing these bigger teams in Europe, and maybe has that little bit of.
3: How many teams in Spain have a red-hot crack at them like Bayern and, say, Salzburg did? And even, to be fair, Moscow. Like, is is that something that when they go to Europe and he's playing this sort of evolved Chalismo style where he's trying to play a little bit more, but when he tries to go back to Europe to the old-school style, when those teams come at him, the players aren't, you know, seeing that week in, week out? Is that that something?
2: I don't think so. I I think that in, in Spain, you know, teams play different styles. They've got different ways of playing. Um and yeah i i don't know why i think it's like luke's saying they just they just he doubts them in europe at the moment maybe that he won't in the next round
1: well so let's see I very much doubt Hansi Flick doubts his side <laughs> in any sense. A 2-0 victory over Lokomotive Sula and Chupo Moting, the man that led PSG to the final last year on the score sheet in this one. Uh, I asked you off-air, Luke, I just wonder, you play for Dynamo Moscow. When you see Lokomotiv Moscow losing, are you happy here? I mean, they were never going through. I mean, do you get a little kick-along thinking, ha yeah, the old rivals are going <laughs> down? No, look, I...
0: I um don't get me wrong, I don't really care about Lokomotiv or <laughs> any other club apart from Dino uh, in Moscow but it, or in Russia for, for that fact. But um, no, look, I thought they did all right. It's good to see the Russian teams on, on that stage and, and putting in decent performances and getting some results. Um, although not getting through, I thought Krasnodar uh, did well also in, in the Champions League and qualifying for the Europa. But no, look, it's, I don't get a kick out of it. If it was Spartak... Yeah, I would really enjoy seeing Spartak
1: lose. Um, <laughs> but they've got to get there first, they right? Need, they do need to get there first. So, no, nah, look, I'm, I'm hoping they'll see will there next year. Bayern Munich will be there next year, I would say, John, and they'll go into the knockout stages as most people's favourites. I know for you they are. They haven't lost a game at all. They're doing it relatively easy, challenged a little bit domestically, but top as we expect in Bundesliga. Would you go as far as saying it's theirs to lose? If they're at their best, they will just win this competition? If
2: they're at their best, yes, I think they will win this competition. I think they're too strong all over. But uh, they have shown signs of late, especially domestically, conceding goals. That will be a worry they for Hunter.
3: Like. Without Kimmich, especially.
2: Yes, and, and Kimmich is out long term. Yeah. So, you know, look, there's a long way to go in the season. You still can't write off the likes of Liverpool, Man City, uh, Chelsea. And and, and they're, they're my dark horses, Dave. You'll be happy with that. But um, And how can they be dark horses? Have they spent $300 billion this season? Oh, at no. least. That, that was
3: just on the defence. No, they're, they're playing kids. Are they going to win it with kids?
1: <laughs> yeah. Please, please. Uh, you mentioned Man City. They had another good win. I say good because they actually scored multiple goals in the Champions League, 3-0 over Marseille in the end, who were awful, let's be honest. But you suspect with Sergio Aguero back in the team, maybe now people will take... City seriously again because scoring goals weirdly enough has been their issue having him back for the first time since October could be big on all fronts Yeah, 100% any, any team would miss someone like Aguero and he, he showed coming on
0: um, within minutes and, and being there the jolly on the spot like me and Johnny were talking about that you know a real number 9 who's, who knows how to score goals and you know he's got that and if he's fit uh, they're a threat and, and they've got to they've got come from everywhere and I think you know there'll be a massive confidence boost to everyone around him
2: Everyone talks about that's a tap in and now he's in the right place at the right time. You know, he's lucky to be there. That's a that's a striker on his toes, ready for that rebound. And that's what they didn't have early in the season. Gabriel Jesus still hasn't got that. Gabriel Jesus is a good player, good all-round striker, but he hasn't got that instinct inside the box as much as Aguero has. And I think Lukaku should have had it this morning when uh, one of the Inter Milan headers came off Lukaku when he was going in on goal and he was just flat-footed thinking about what he was going to eat for dinner tonight. <laughs>
1: So we say that they struggle, by the way, in terms of scoring goals. This is City's record in the Champions League group stage. Played six, won five, only one draw, no defeats, of course. They've scored 13. They've only conceded one. So defensively, it more than makes up for the fact they can't score multiple goals. They've never got as many points as this. 16 from the six matches in the group stage. So for all that inconsistency... They absolutely have to be a factor. All eyes on the draw, of course, looking at the round of 16, but they have to be considered amongst the favourites. So the biggest question
3: in the Champions League hasn't been their defence. It's been them finishing all these chances. I'd actually love to see the chance count they racked up. But we sat here, stood here two weeks ago or last week with Bridgie, and Bridgie said, if they got a world-class number nine in, I'm tipping them all looking at them completely differently. Where has just come back. So I think that changes the equation entirely for them. And if we talk about buy-ins to lose, if someone does knock them off, like as Luke said, p- tipping City, I think it's anyone's game. Well, they'll, people were asking the question
2: about City at the end of last season when they got knocked out in the, uh, the Champions League, their defensive frailties. No one was really talking about their attack so much. I think they've actually got that right now the beginning of the season, they were still conceding a few goals. The last 10 games, they, they didn't concede many chances, if any, goals. And uh, so I think with Aguero back in the side attacking-wise, they will score goals. And
1: defensively, they, they've looked strong. Two points to Dave Weiner for admitting that he listened to Michael Bridges on a former podcast. <laughs> Not too many people have done that, Dave. So congratulations <laughs> to you. And I'm going to put you on the spot because the other game in Group C, Olympiacos at home to Porto. Porto already threw... Sell this one for anyone out there wondering which mini-match to go and watch first. Which highlights should I go and watch first? Actually, should I go and just watch a full match replay? Hey, I might watch Olympiacos and Porto. Why should they watch this one?
3: This is for the purists because Porto have now gone five games without conceding in the Champions League, which was level with Manchester City, who also did that, because they were playing two absolutely weak, as you know what, teams opposite them. And uh, it is a masterclass in that sense. Otherwise, your sport for choice in the Sport app this morning.
1: Yeah, indeed. But Porto go through, as we've mentioned, I feel like we've said it every year for the last few, the big teams will be hoping to get Porto, right? Is that doing them a disservice or is that just the reality? Well, it is in terms of, if you look at the pecking order on paper, but
3: Sergio Conceição, we've spoken about him a lot over the last couple of weeks. He's as competitive as anyone and um, they're going to be a feisty opponent, particularly in Portugal. Um, and also they'll be motivated as anything because last year they weren't in the Champions League. When they are in the Champions League, they do make the round of 16.
2: They're a difficult team to play against. They've got history in the competition. Everyone uh, knows it will be a hard game, especially in Portugal. I wouldn't write them off. I wouldn't say they're easy beats. Uh, I don't think any of the teams are in the Champions League uh, round of 16. I think they're all very confident that they could beat anyone on their day.
1: The one team that was probably most disappointing on the final day as we move on to Group B, the group to look at really on this match day, Borussia Mönchengladbach, leading the group going into it, away to a Real Madrid, admittedly full of stars with a bit of confidence after beating Sevilla at the weekend. They didn't really turn up. A really good performance from Real Madrid, two nil winners, Karen Benzema, two headers in the first half. First of all, Real Madrid were very good for a team, Luke, on the back foot under a bit of pressure going into the last day.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't say that Gladbach didn't turn up. I think Real Madrid were just too good for them. I, they, they definitely turned up Real. And, you know, look, Gladbach had a little bit in the second half. They had a little go at them. But they showed in the earlier rounds that, that they can still match it with some of these big teams. The the only difference being in these when it really counts against the big teams like Real Madrid today, uh, they're just, just too good. They're a different level. But they won't
1: be any easy beats either. The extraordinary situation in this group was that all four teams could qualify going into the last day. We don't see that enough, and I'm an advocate for just playing one group stage day because it means you'd see this every single year. Inter Milan at home to Shakhtar, while Real Madrid were at home to Gladbach. And first of all, Real Madrid, John, they stood up in that moment, didn't they? Because they've got that experience, particularly in midfield. You know, it's really interesting to see Cruz, Casemiro, Modric, the old guard, and yet you've got these really fast, mobile, creative wingers in Vinicius and Rodrigo. The latter put it on an absolute plate for Benzema.
2: Well, when you look at Real Madrid's spine and you look at Ramos, you look at Casemiro, and then I'm not even talking about Modric, who was excellent this morning, or Cruz, and Benzema, you've got a spine of winners and that's what real madrid that's why in these big games you know they're going to step up zidane is a winner zidane knows how to cope with pressure he he comes across calm that nothing phases him and you could see that on the other hand antonio conte it, it comes across nervous in these champions league games because he hasn't won the champions league as a as a manager he's he's does that rub off on the players? That's what I'm thinking because Lukaku came out before the game saying he's one of the best strikers in the world, he's the top five at least. Then everyone was saying, well, Christian Vieri said he was number one. Well, he wasn't
1: number one this morning because he didn't score a goal and they needed a goal. Indeed, they did. All they needed to do, I say all they needed to do, it clearly wasn't that easy. They had to beat Shakhtar Donetsk at home, which you would have backed them in to do, to go through. They couldn't do it. Adriano Del Monte joins us on the line. Adriano, what on earth happened? And what has the reaction been early doors to this dour, disappointing performance and result for Inter Milan?
4: Yeah, still scratching my head, Rich. Thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, been a bizarre night of football here, and I think it caps off one of the most bizarre groups we've ever seen in the UEFA Champions League, Inter bottom for the first time in their history, and that's what all the talk is about right now. Not sure if you guys caught Conte's post-match press conference, but he's already come out and said, well, we're eliminated, so now I can talk, and he said we weren't respected by the referees. And so obviously wasn't pleased tonight and throughout the competition. Inter Milan just nowhere near their full potential yet again. Do you put it down to Conte? Do you put it down to the players? It has been an ongoing target for this club. And as I said post-match, a lot of questions still to be answered.
1: Whether or not you put the performances down to Conte, John, that type of reaction from the manager, they only won once in six group games. So even if they had refereeing decisions going against them, That's not going to make up for five average performances.
2: No, that for me is someone that's under pressure. To come out and blame the referees in all their games and, and say that that's the reason why they didn't get through the group stage. There could be one, two decisions go against them. That happens with most teams. But uh, for him to come out like that, that surprises me. I, I think that's a man under pressure, knowing he needs an excuse because I think that his job might be uh, his head's on the chopping block, that's but, for sure.
0: But what's, what's that comment, respect from the referees? It's just a strange comment. What what respect do you want from the referees? Like, you're into Milan, so you deserve to get calls?
1: Yeah, perhaps. I mean, in terms of the playing stocks, Adriana, we mentioned it before the game. We were just reading their substitutes, and it could have actually been their starting 11. They've got such an amazing squad at the moment in terms of pedigree. The expectations on them to win something must be pretty high. I mean, they're going okay in Syria. I haven't started like a world on fire just yet. But surely this just ramps that up. They have to win Serie A or Conte's gone and it's a complete clean out of the squad.
4: Well, that's if he lasts until then, but certainly Serie A is now without a shadow about the priority for them this season. But yeah, you're right, you mentioned the substitutes that they brought on this evening. Also a couple of the unused substitutes Kolodov, obviously plenty of experience, but Stefano Sensi particularly, a really highly rated Italian midfielder as well. So there is a lot of depth in this squad and obviously with the five substitutions as well, Conte really allowed to to use that to to his strength. But he has been criticized time and time again for his failure to make substitutions at the right time and particularly earlier on in matches. When his team is struggling, and already that again, some of the reports here suggesting that perhaps the Pedesich and Alexis introductions were a little too late. Eriksson again, five minutes to impress. What can one do in five minutes? He had thirty seconds at the weekend in the Bologna victory. It's getting a little ridiculous. His management of some of these players who could impact certainly against with all due respect to Shakhtar on our side that were there for the taking. So certainly Conte, his record does come under fire again. He's only won three of his last 15 Champions League fixtures with Inter and, of course, Chelsea before that as well. He failed at the Juventus in this competition, only getting to the quarterfinals on one occasion where his team lost to Bayern Munich 4-0 convincingly. So the pressure mounting there, yes, art is the objective, but they have a lot of work to do also domestically if they want to win any silverware this season.
3: Adriano, is there much criticism of him in Italy for his recruitment? rich mentioned the bench. Um, Ericsson is a great example of that, where these are players that he brought in and they are on the older side. Um, Is that something that gets brought up or is it more their inability to score? Is it more the mentality in these big games? What's the biggest thing that he gets uh, labelled with in these moments?
4: It's certainly a little bit of everything. He he is criticised regularly. However, it has to be the, the recruitment. Now, this season, the key signing that well, has really failed to live up to the expectations was Arturo Vidal. Now, he's come in. He has had an impact. I think he's been a great player over his career. But Inter Milan were a signature away from signing Sandro Tonali, who was at Brescia last season, they were relegated. He is the highest-rated midfielder coming through the ranks here in Italy without a shadow of a doubt, and he slipped through the cracks. And instead of having an agree, agreement in place with Inter, went to their rivals, AC Milan, solely because Conte wanted Vidal. Now, Vidal is a decade older than Tonali, obviously the back end of his career. So when you're making these signings at this point you do indeed. silverware will follow. So obviously, the interfaithful are now quite frustrated in the fact that, well, we've missed out on some young talent that we could have had at the club for the best part of a decade, and instead we've gone for a player like Vidal, who was injured tonight, suspended on match day four, and ultimately did not have the impact that Conte was hoping for in this competition.
1: Adriano, I thought the best line this morning on our coverage was from you when you said it's most likely that Milan will have success before Inter Milan, considering they're five points clear in Serie A. Quick question to finish off. It was a little bit sad, to be honest, seeing you in that amazing stadium, empty stadium, the San Siro. I just wonder, do you think either of those teams will lift a trophy of any description before that great old stadium is knocked down in a year or so? And if so, who will it be?
4: Uh, That's a very big question. So sad if they do demolish that that stadium because it is is magnificent. The atmosphere is sensational, but I do believe that AC Milan are in with a serious chance of winning the Scudetto here in Italy this season. Blatant Ibrahimovic on fire, really brought out the best in a number of teammates there in the club. And they are playing to a level that no other club are playing at this season. There is a strong nucleus in the squad very stable, very consistent. So if I have to pick one, AC Milan to win a piece of silverware this season, not Inter.
1: Wow. Have that, Antonio Conte and in Inter. Uh, I have to say, I do have a soft spot for Inter, so it would be a massive uh, kick in the guts. And also my barber, Alessandro, a huge Inter fan. I won't be going to see him for a while because no man with scissors with that much passion should be anywhere near your head. Uh, Adriano, it's been an absolute pleasure. We'll catch up with you next time, mate.
4: Cheers, Rich. Thanks a lot, guys.
1: Yeah, Inter Milan out, Real Madrid through, so too Borussia Mönchengladbach. And the scenes pitch side as well when Mönchengladbach, having walked off, thoroughly outplayed, disappointed, they get their laptop out, they watch the end of the game at the San Siro, they see the referee blow his whistle from absolute heartache to jubilation in seconds. That's what it's all about.
3: Watching live on Optus Sport, of course, was great to see on their iPads. Nice plug, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love it because you know what? It's a different, it's a fresh face. They've built to this moment. They've achieved it. They have actually, they were outstanding at passages in the Bundesliga last year. They've now stepped up here. It's great to see.
2: That's a club with great history in European competitions. You're going back in the 70s and I think early 80s. So before my time as well. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's great to see them back in in that Position in Europe and uh, and with young talented players and uh, and they're showing their class. I think it's been, it's been really refreshing.
3: Munchen Gladbach, Atalanta, Lazio, a few different names. I, I, know, I know Atalanta were there last year, but still they're still fresh in Europe. That's fun. Chelsea. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, the underdogs, yeah, the dark horses that have spent, um, you know, half the world's GDP over the past few months. Absolutely. Go Chelsea. Obviously, it's huge for Spain having four teams through. Germany as well, all four through. That's great. Italy, into Milan with the only team not to. The other three do. Manchester United with the only team not from England to go through. Then there's one from France and Portugal. It's the big countries, if you like, a smattering of the big clubs as well. A couple of little dark horses potentially. Atalanta and Leipzig, though, they've proven that they're worth at this level. You know, Lazio, like Dave says, maybe a bit of an outsider as well. But we look ahead to the knockout stages. That'll happen in early 2021. Plenty happening before then. And I want to preview this weekend's Premier League. But just quickly, John... Part two of our new Football belongs series comes out on Friday, Australian time. It's a written feature from John Didalica. It's a fantastic read because it's written around the 2006 World Cup game between the Socceroos and Croatia, in which you should have scored the winner at the end. I'm still dirty, dirty about the fact that Graham Pohl didn't allow that goal to stand, but you're also on the podcast this week. What can we expect? Expect a, a
2: few stories about the uh, what it meant, for us and what it meant to most australians you know we, we spoke about how many croatian heritage from the Croatian heritage how many players we had in our squad we had six that, that's a lot of players and then um, the, the the Croatian team had three Australian born players and that, that's amazing in itself and that just goes to show them the, you know the multi-culture of Australian uh, society and uh, but not only that the thing that really stood out for me and Luke will remember it well is when we went back out and uh, and to do a, a sort of lap after I think it was about 30 minutes after the final whistle, we went back out and they were playing ACDC. That was a highlight of our World Cup. When we qualified against Uruguay, the highlight was John Travolta. That was our highlight in the World Cup.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a bit of an Aussie flavour to it. ACDC in Stuttgart Stadium. uh, Something different, wasn't it? That's for sure. They probably played there throughout the years, I reckon, ACDC. So Luke and Johnny were in the stadium in the Socceroos squad. I was at university watching that one. Where were you watching that game, Dave? With,
3: yeah, with about a dozen mates. And it was dozen in year three, mates. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't I look at two? <laughs> um, and we, this was like a climax for us of years of following sport, and we were there together, um, sweating palms and everything. Actually, I lie. I watched the Japan game with my mates. This was so special because I watched it with my old man and my brother. We were up in the middle of the night, and I've got to say, my old man is one of the calmest guys I've ever seen, I've, I've, I know. When the, the second goal went past Zelko Kalach, it's probably as angry as I've ever seen him. And just the, the feeling after that was absolutely, absolutely wonderful. Then catching up with the friends the next day. And I wasn't working yet in the industry, and I did all the fan things. I was at fan parks, I was just laughing it up. It was just such a wonderful moment. How good was it that we didn't have VAR?
2: Because that second goal, that Harry score, would have been disallowed. Huh? <laughs> but Lucky. yours
1: yours might have been given, maybe yeah, oh, <laughs> Because Simeon was probably sent off.
2: Yeah, that's true. So, yeah.
1: who knows? I've said before that the first game against Japan, exactly the same as you, Dave. My brother and I watched it together because it was seminal moment. First game in the World Cup in a long time. We need to sit down and watch it. When Schwartzy lets in the, the opening goal, also maybe should have been disallowed. Head in hands, downbeat, angry, annoyed. When you scored the third, Johnny, we were laughing our asses off because, not because we thought it was funny, but because this outpouring of emotion it was yes. it's all we could think to do it's like how has this happened we're winning 3-1 how's it happening Cup? that
2: Johnny's scoring that's, that's is that why you were laughing <laughs> from open play <laughs> absolutely
3: oh, well it wasn't a penalty yeah Con- confession at that moment I think uh, in that Japan game I did take my top off that lounge room and was doing that damn celebration <laughs> around the
1: room <laughs> <laughs> I, just I don't that. even yeah. want to envisage that <laughs> <Don't>. best uh, <laughs> best not to you, you've always had a, quite the rig on you though Dave so um you know, a lot of people would love to see it. So, obviously, Chapter 2, or the opening match chapter, if you like, it's such a great read because John delitz's brother, Joey, was in the Croatian squad as well, on the bench, reserve goalkeeper. It's such an amazing angle on a game that we know a lot about in Australian football, puts a new slant on it, and it's such an interesting conversation in the podcast as well. So, recommend you guys go out and have a listen and have a read. It's
3: the tiniest thing here is I've just been laying that... Uh beautiful piece of work up writing that makes me jealous there's a fantastic picture of you and Harry embracing it full time which I can't wait to publish and Jody Litscher who probably not many people know a lot about here one of the lead images is just him having a chat with Zlatan Ibrahimovic in a Champions League game and I thought that for me also unveiled just how much depth of stories we have in this country to unveil and I'm so glad
1: Football Belongs is playing its part in that. Indeed hope you guys enjoy that series plenty more episodes to come and chapters as well quick look ahead to the Premier League weekend there's one game that stands out the fixture on the list that everybody is really waiting for. I'd love to get your thoughts on this game, uh, Luke. It's Newcastle and West Brom in the early hours of Sunday morning. Are they playing? Are they?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was looking forward to Manchester United, Man City.
1: Oh, so. sorry, West Brom fans. Sorry, I couldn't. Couldn't. I've used that gag before, and I will absolutely use it again. Yeah, Manchester United, Manchester City. Just about anything could happen here. Anyone would think the easy prediction would be, well, City are flying, United have had a bad week, but this is normally when Solskjaer gets a result out of his team.
0: Yeah, look, uh, Solskjaer's up and down, and every time he's under pressure, he seems to be able to pull that rabbit out of the hat. And We spoke about it, and I just just think it's coming to a time where I I don't think there's any more rabbits in his hat. He's pulled out that many. So I think City in the form they're in, Aguero coming back. um, You know, I, I can't go past City on this one. Because
1: in football terms, John, the way City play kind of suits Manchester United. They've got a few results against them the last few years. They know they're not going to dominate the ball, United. But they can try to get in behind when they leave space. Surely you can see a result for United coming.
2: Well, you can because they've got the quality uh, players in, in United's side. You know, you, I think he will start Pogba. Because Pogba actually proved when he came on that he's mentally still there. And um, and I I thought he was excellent when he came on. And, And also last week, his goal, that was sensational against West Ham so I think he will start him Bruno Fernandes seems to step up in these sorts of games as well and with the pace that they have up top you you think they'll cause Manchester City problems it was interesting last season the games they played against each other because yes Man United won a few games against City but then there was other times where United weren't even at the races City dominated them so it'll be interesting to see what type of game we get this weekend but look I, I know Luke is going for City I'm going for United. The reason being is because Solskjaer seems to pull another rabbit out of the hat. And he's, he's had a few rabbits, Luke. Oh,
1: i tell you what he means. <laughs> it's, oh, it's a big hat. It's a big hat I'd love to see his back garden. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So there you go. That's the big game of the weekend. It starts Leeds and West Ham on Saturday morning. Then it's the Black Country Derby. Is it the Black Country Derby? Probably not. Let's call it a Midlands Derby. Wolves at home to Aston Villa. That kicks us off on Saturday night. We'll have a 90-minute pregame show from 10 p.m. Eastern uh, Australian time. Should be plenty in that as we preview the whole weekend. The big one, of course, as I mentioned, the Magpies and the Baggies before the Manchester Derby. Everton, Chelsea as well, Battle of the Blues, Ancelotti going to haunt his old club, do you think? Or has is, is the cook been cooked, to use an expression a little bit, when it comes to Everton, Dave?
3: I'm not going to say he doesn't have any rabbits either. I think there is still more in Everton. It's just that that, that level they had at the start of the season was another level. Are they going to finish where they ought to finish? I think so. But it'll be a good test for them against Chelsea. Yeah,
2: but is mid-table what they expect at Everton with the with the yeah. players they signed? Aren't they
1: supposed to be pushing for a European spot? The bare minimum is seventh for Everton. Should be bare minimum so that, every that's single year. Of, I'm
3: thinking that range. Can they can they crack the top six? Is that a failure if he? I think it is a
2: failure six. if he doesn't and I oh, look I love Ancelotti. I think what he's done in his career you know who are we to to question him and and, and say that he can't do it but uh, at the moment they don't look convincing. I think defensively look Hamas is always going to get criticized when they don't win because he doesn't work hard enough for the team. But when they win, he's the one that creates those chances and everything goes through him. Uh, Calvert-Lewin's still scoring goals, so that's a positive for him. Rich Olsen will will get back into his form. It's just at the back that I I think that they struggle a little bit. They concede way too many
1: chances. Well, that's not ideal against a Chelsea that will create plenty and no doubt score a few as well if you're not at your best. Sunday night, Southampton at home to Sheffield United. I'm going to keep tipping Sheffield United, because I think they're a better team than having just one point on the board at this stage, but 11 games without a win, troubling for them. beat Southampton. Maybe not beat them, but I I can see them getting something from it. They have to at some point, don't they? Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, they'll get a few goals from
0: (laughs) from Southampton. (laughs) Southampton. (laughs) Okay, well, (laughs) let's just
1: see. (laughs) Danny
2: Ings is back. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, they're no chance, are they? Um, Just I'll cut that bit out. Uh, On Sunday morning, three games in a row from London. Crystal Palace at home to Spurs, who are still top going into the weekend. Then it's Fulham at home to Liverpool. Luke Wilkshire is tipping uh, 10-0 to Liverpool in that one. Then it's Arsenal at home to Burnley. It all wraps up with Leicester at home to Brighton. 10-0, is that about right, do you think, Luke?
0: No, you got it wrong. It was to Fulham.
1: 10-0 to Fulham. Fulham, yeah. okay. <laughs> Come
0: on, no. no, look, I, I can't see uh, you know, Liverpool having rested players midweek. Um, look, looking good, looking comfortable. And Fulham, the form they're in, look, they've improved. They can score a penalty now. But uh, against the the Reds, no chance. There I might
2: like be a surprise in the Palace. I was going to ask first game. That, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm, you know, Zaha being back. Um, ben, who, who scored the double on yeah, okay. You know, he's finally found yeah. form. <laughs> it's taken him a while, <laughs> <laughs> but he's but there. He and, and, and you know, when a striker finds that form, they just every time they step on the pitch, they feel like, well, they're going to score a goal. And Do you know, uh,
0: feeling rich. Oh, big time. Yeah, <laughs> in the wrong goal,
1: generally, from where I
2: was playing. And and this game here, Spurs are the ones that yeah. need to dominate. And and they have done it this season. Let's not just put the last few games, that's the way Mourinho plays, you know, only 30% of the ball. You know, when they need to dominate the opposition, they, they can. Um, but it'll be an
3: interesting matchup. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that other, or will Roy Hodgson and Jose just leave the ball in the middle of the centre
1: circle and sort of <laughs> just try scrimmage for it? I Someone will do that at some point. It has to happen at some point. <laughs> Wilfred's a Uh, He's been amazing for them. They are the most reliant on one man for a team. Probably in the history of... The Premier League, because they cannot win without him, but with him, they're always a danger. More than uh, Villa or Grealish? Statistically, yes. Only statistically, maybe it's sort of similar. But, yep, keep an eye out for that one. London Derby coming your way live in the early hours of Monday morning. That's it for us uh, this week. It's been another big few days in the Champions League. We now know the makeup of the 16 to go through the knockout stages. Tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this, of course, 24 matches coming your way live in the Europa League. Plenty of talking points as always. Absolutely huge. And for listeners of the Gagan Pod, next week we'll be back after the
3: Monster Midweek Round. Not Wednesday. We'll be back on Thursday after Liverpool against Spurs.
1: So, listeners, if you made it all the way this far, we'll see you next week. This is... What do you mean they all have? This (laughs) is the part of the year when everyone's winding down and talking about time off and, oh, what are you doing? Where are you going away? It's football day after day after day and it is the absolute best the next few weeks will be huge in all competitions and we're looking forward to having you all there with us Uh, Luke Wilkshire, always a pleasure been brilliant mate always a pleasure we'll see you next time Johnny A safe travels yep thanks loved it Dave all the best you too we'll see you in 10 minutes (laughs) (laughs) exactly Uh, between now and the next episode of the Gagan Pod make sure you enjoy your football